Hello there, Star Wars Sessions listeners, fans, and sickheads alike. You're listening to probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. We say probably because, you know, we're not 100% sure, but we're like kind of, sh- we're kind of, it's kind of, it's a very British thing, I suppose, isn't it, Matt? Like, it's one of those. Yeah, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars yeah. podcast. We, we don't want to commit. Yeah. And, and we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to our show and we hope you enjoy the episode but we've got like a little message to just tell you before then yeah we're we are extremely proud of every episode that we've created but we wanted to say that these initial episodes see us kind of finding our feet and our voice in the podcasting community and listen the content is fire the content is great but the quality of the audio and the show structure can probably be best described as a work in progress. Yes, absolutely. We would always recommend listening to our most recent episodes first, and that's where you're going to get all the spicy news and everything. But mm. before you d- d- dive in, dive in anyway, because it's good. It's a great catalogue. The sound quality is it's, it's a bit different, but I don't know. Just, just do what you want. We're just letting you know there's a lot of flavour to this session spice train. <laughs> and... And we hope you enjoy. Hope you enjoy it. I mean, this intro enough. I mean, this intro alone will probably give you enough <laughs> to to know yeah. what we're about. But there we go. We love Star Wars, and we hope you enjoy hearing us also love Star Wars. With all that, we hope you enjoy the episode, and may, may the, the force, force be with you. Morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to this original trilogy special edition of Star Wars Sessions. My name is Matt Hudson, aka Jabba the Hud, and this is the regular show where the topic is anything Star Wars. In this episode, we're going to be covering A New Hope, aka Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Next up is going to be the sequels and standalones, including a look at the upcoming Solo A Star Wars story. And our prequel trilogy episode is up and out there waiting for your ears. Uh, Once again, the we is about to be introduced. So joining me once again for this episode is the Yoda to my Mace Windu, uh, Master Blywalker once more. Luke Bly, how on earth are you, my man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Matt? I'm excited to be here once more. Mate, it's good to be back for another episode. I can't wait to talk some more Star Wars. It's going to be great. What better way to start the week? Right? Totally agree. Exactly. The sun's come out to talk some Star Wars. It was so nice today. It felt like Tatooine, didn't it? It did. We only had one sun, but it did feel like it. I know, I know. Oh, well, one can wish. Yeah, I mean, yes, I think Saturday, Sunday was more like Camino over here at some points, but it wasn't, I know, it wasn't nice. I know. That's the beauty, that's the beauty of living in England, you know, that <laughs> yeah. we, we get all these different planets in, in like one day sometimes. Exactly. So everybody else around the world, be jealous of us <laughs> yeah, and our yeah, horrible right. weather system. <laughs> so dive it in. Everybody remembers where they were. Way back when, May the 25th, 1977, when a little space movie was released. Uh, everybody except me and Luke, because we were not of his earth. But uh, the creator was a shy man from Modesto, California, named George Walter Lucas Jr. 
Uh, his creation included strange robots, space wizards and laser swords, was for some reason ridiculed by those on set and pretty much struggled to even get released. But then, what the people didn't realise was the seismic impact that this movie would have on cinema, uh, pop culture and lifestyles in a decade that followed. And of course, yeah. the movie I'm talking about is Star Wars A New Hope. These aren't the droids you're looking for. We're doomed. Great shot, kid! That was one in a million! Use the Force, Luke. Let go, Luke. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. I got a bad feeling about this. Red 5 standing by. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Boring conversation anyway. Luke, we're gonna have company! What the hell are you doing? Somebody has to save our skins. Moss Eisler's spaceport. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Your power's a weak old man. What a piece of junk! I've made a lot of special modifications myself. That's no moon. It's a space station. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. What? Yeah, I got him! Great kid! Don't get cocky! I felt a great disturbance in the force. As if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Huh? It's a ship that made the castle run in less than 12 parsecs. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace. The Force will be with you. Always. Wow. Where, oh where do we start? Ah, this is one of the most important films in filmmaking history. Yep. That's where we start. It's it's phenomenal. It kick-started... I don't, I don't think um, there was film franchise a, a film franchise like Star Wars until Star Wars came along, until no. George Lucas came along and created this universe, this story, uh, for us all to enjoy. Yeah, I mean, you had Flash Gordon, but that wasn't a film franchise. So this was kind of the first... Attempt. I mean, Jaws came a few years before, and that was kind of the first blockbuster. But then, obviously, yeah. a new a Star Wars, as it was then known as, came out, and yeah. seemingly the world went mental. Can you imagine, just hypothetically, had that movie come out and not been a success, or if George Lucas just didn't release it? Can you oh, imagine man. a world? Man, I don't know. I think it. We. I mean, we don't know for sure, but the world as we know it would be totally different the pop culture would be different um what you're interested in as as um a kid would be different and so on and so forth we wouldn't be talking we wouldn't know each other matt that's true yep very true you know it's important it's um yeah it's one of the most important uh moments in pop culture there, there is n- it, it, without a shadow of a doubt yeah i can't argue with that i suppose the first question to ask was do you remember how old you were when you saw it for the first time. Oh, for the first time. Honestly, I don't. I mean, I remember again, I, I went to when this was when I was little. Um, I would come and visit my nan and granddad's house. Right. And, uh, they had like this spare room where me and my cousins would go to entertain ourselves. Right. So all, all of the uh, adults 
uh, were down the other end of the house doing their own things, like having a few beers or whatever and watching their own stuff. And we'd be playing games and also watching films. And one of those films that we would watch uh, would be Star Wars, the original Star Wars, A New Hope, as well as Empire and Jedi. But my my initial memories, I think I must have been pretty young. Um, but what I can really remember is C-3PO and R2-D2 <laughs> Um, walking along the, the, the desert, the desert plains of, uh, Tatooine. That's what I remember. I think I was five or six. I think I was six, uh, about 992, I think, uh, when I first saw it. I just remember being downstairs in my mum and dad's house. And I can't, I don't know if my dad or anyone put it on specifically, but it was on the telly. And I just remember sitting down watching it. And I too remember that opening scene or the opening montage, I suppose, on Tatooine after obviously yeah. the Tantive 4 attack, but I remember that vividly as well. And another thing I remember, as I'm going to mention later on, but one of the first things I mentioned is to, I, I think of, sorry, is the Cantina Band. That was mentioned oh, as a child, yeah. just seeing all those aliens playing these different instruments mixed yes. in with humans in this grotty looking bar. That's where my mind goes immediately when I think of this film is the Cantina and the band and the song they play. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, when, I think even as an adult or a kid, it really does. It takes you to a different universe. And that's what films should do, right? Every film, you should leave all your baggage at the door and go and enjoy yourself. And don't worry about the outside world because for the next few hours, you are in a galaxy far, far away. And I really don't think there was a film quite like this until um, Star Wars came out. And all of those things contribute to that. The cantina scene, especially because in, in one room, you can see all these different alien species and, and costumes and, and thought is given into it, but it doesn't all look, um, shiny and polished. You know, it looks rough. Lived it's ready. In. It looks, yeah, it's lived in. It's realistic. It's more believable. Um, and, you know, A New Hope or, or Star Wars, um, as, it, as it was released, um, really pushed the boundaries with that. Yeah, that, that's what set it apart from the sci-fi of its age. It wasn't sparkly, shiny and new. It yeah. was grungy and grimy and run down. Yes. And I guess that's where the aesthetic of the prequels and the OT kind of jars. But... At the yeah. same time, the prequels had bigger budgets, they had greater technology, and and they succeeded in opening the galaxy and showing you what was out there. A New Hope, where did we go? We went to Tatooine, and obviously the Death Star. We kind of saw Alderaan, but not not for all that long. Yeah, not yeah, not not for long. Yeah, so um, I I agree. I loved that aspect of it, and obviously when you see the Falcon, the piece of junk, the Falcon. Uh, oh. not this brand spanking new spaceship which you'd expect to see it's it is a dirty piece of junk and that's what i love about it so good and and we owe so much of this um to the to the artist ralph Macquarie. absolutely good that, shout that that dude that that gentleman was a genius his drawings are stunning um, and, and you look at them and you, and you, and you also, and, and again, this is, um, praise for the practical team, um, the practical effects team over at Lucasfilm and ILM, so on and so forth, uh, that brought these pictures, these, um, designs of Ralph's to real life. 
You know, they did such a good job at that. Such a good job. You have to wonder what goes on, on in his mind to be able to conjure up those images because some of them are fantastic and some of them are yeah. so out there. And, the, and like you say, the way ILM and Lucasfilm managed to kind of rein them in and make them look just a little bit grungier but still keep yes. the stunning aesthetic of Macquarie's work. That's a great yeah. shout because without Macquarie, we also don't have the images that we know and cherish now. No, we, we don't have the icons. We, we, we really don't have the icons. Like, again, um, people can spot the X-Wings. They know an X-Wing, they know a TIE Fighter, they know the Millennium Falcon. And that's, again, because of the, the, the strong identity of the brand and its uh, influence on pop culture, and also because they look great. The most important thing is they look blooming awesome. So, yes. think, speaking of things which are blooming awesome, yep. some of your well, again, this is I think this is going to be a recurring theme across the trilogy. But when I say, oh, when we kind of go into our best moments and what we enjoy the most, we have to remind ourselves that we can't go on all night because there's so many. But in sure, terms of a, sure. a new hope, please you you first. But some of your best moments from a new from Star Wars: Mate. New Hope. Oh, wow. I mean, one of the moments, and I think this is for cinematic history, Luke looking at the twin suns, the music plays, the binary sunset by John Williams plays, um, and he looks out, and without one word said, Luke is looking out, and and, and you can feel so much emotion so much emotion you can sense that he is feeling there is something for me out there i don't know what it is but i have a feeling it's around the corner and that's where this whole saga began was at that point and wow i'm i happy that that started i i think that that scene is one of those scenes every single time i'm going to watch a new hope I'm, I, I get, I get, um, you know, the, the, uh, what, what do they call when you ha- your hair stands on your, yeah, that's it. I get goosebumps and I just freak out because it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And actually you don't really get that, that those scenes like that in big films like that anymore. You know, it's so good. And it's simple so as good. well. So simple. It's simple. It's simple and so meaningful and yeah, every, everything. So good. And how many of us have gone outside and looked up and looked up into the into the nether world out there and thought, dre- dreaming away as to what could be out there? How many of us have done that? Probably all yeah. of us. And it's so, like you said, it's so simple, and it's so reflective of how humans act. It's so normal. Yeah. You know, and I think this is why it relates to so many people. I think this is why Luke, as the character relates to so many people because you know he he is a farm boy he hasn't got it all he is kind of an underdog he's a bit whiny you know um and this is what makes him such uh you know interesting character yeah i'm not gonna argue that that's right he he certainly is whiny in this movie <laughs> at points and that's one of the moment that's one of the detractors from the film only slightly yeah no excuses, of course, but it's kind of the way he's written. He's a farm boy. Yeah. He doesn't know any different. He's going to yeah. complain. He's going to play with his toys in his room. That's what he does. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Before that scene, we see Darth Vader. We, yeah. the, you know, the oh, stormtroopers yeah, blast through the Tantive Four, which we now know what happened before that. But the oh, stormtroopers, bl- oh yeah, the stormtroopers blast through. 
take out a few fools, and then Darth Vader walks in, and immediately we uh, we see that this iconic villain, who within one a minute of being on screen has lifted up Captain Antilles, snapped his neck, and thrown him on the floor like a piece of rubbish. This ma- yeah. it, it, it meant business, and this is one of those I moments. I love that scene. I love that scene. Like a- again, it's it's simple. Um, but all, for example, even, even the cinematics are really simple. Like all the stormtroopers are, a, are like a certain height. Yep. And then Vader comes in. He's taller. He's more powerful. The ship is white. The stormtroopers are white. Everyone is like in a, Neutral an earthy colors, uniform, yeah. like the rep. Yeah. The rebels are in an earthy uniform and stuff. Um, and Vader's coming in tall, all black. <laughs> yeah. Like the voice, you know, you immediately know. He's the villain. Ah, oh, it's just so good. It's so good. Going ahead, you meet Han Solo in the in the oh. grubby cantina. There's a guy in the corner sitting there with his waistcoat on next to a big shaggy dog, who turns <laughs> and this guy's the coolest guy in the world. And let's never coolest. never forget Han shot first. Han shot first. Yeah, he did. Greed didn't even get a shot away. Han no. shot first. Flipped. Woo her the bartender a coin. Sorry about yeah. the mess, and walked out and strutted out. Yeah, he did. But George would disagree. George is not on this podcast, so Han shot first. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. I've got Touché. something to say about the special editions. Not all bad, but I'll get into those a bit later. But that's one of oh, the things about okay. the special editions, which yeah, oh, wasn't man, great. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah. I, it's not all bad. That was one of the special edition changes, which universally, I think, has been derided as unnecessary, and it just looks... Ridiculous. I mean, I guess we have to kind of talk about that because that is the canon version, isn't it? In the canon version, um, Greedo shot first, right? And we have to address that because you'd think to yourself, again, it's one of those things kind of... uh, When when did the special editions come out? It was like the 90s, right? Yeah, it was at that same time... The Phantom Menace coming out. And I know we spoke about this in the last podcast. Everyone was excited about the Phantom Menace. Little did they know George was making some weird decisions. <laughs> this was one of those weird decisions. What I mean, why? Oh, why change it? I've no idea. Change? It doesn't make any sense. Filling up the, filling up Moss Eisley with the strange array of creatures didn't look particularly great either. If I like the fact that they, Added new speed creatures, but it just didn't look right in Moss Eisley. That giant sort of giraffe-like creature yeah. that just didn't work. For I think he, I think George is having a bit too much fun at, at certain points. I agree. I agree. Like I, I think um, I said in the last podcast, I think George was had this access to all this new technology and he wanted to use it to its maximum capacity as soon as possible. And I think he played around with it with these special editions, you know? So, and sadly we, we have to deal with that. Right. And I, and it, you know, it, even so, I mean, I even sound, I realize I sound melodramatic, you know, saying it like we have to deal with it, but no. it does, it does mean a lot to so many people, including you and I, and, and a lot of our listeners, I'm sure. Um, and it is one of those decisions that thinks like you, you think to yourself, man, 
What was he on when he when he chose to do that? <laughs> a great, some some of them are good. The the shot of the X wings heading towards the Death Star, leaving the oven for great. I like that. It lasted the for shot. three or four seconds. It added something to the film. But like you the say, shot, yeah. like I say, some of them are just. And as we go into the trilogy, there's some very questionable ones. But I like where his head was at. But again, it doesn't always Execution. translate well. Exactly. Yeah. What else? What else have you got? Best moments. Oh, best moments. Um, I love, I absolutely love the chemistry between the original three and and Chewie. Yeah. Leia, Solo and Luke, you know, the chemistry between them is so good. You know, I knew a little short to be a stormtrooper, all of that. It's just, it's, (laughs) it's lovely. Somebody's got to save our skins. Yeah. Oh, Leia in this is so good. That every character, that's what I'd say. That's my second answer is that the characters in A New Hope and the original Star Wars are so well written. Yep. So well written. And it's quite black and white. Like, you know who are the goodies. You know who are the baddies. You know who the scoundrel is. You know who the feisty independent princess is. Um, and I, and I think that's important. And I think a lot of stories nowadays don't actually do that. They don't know what they want and, or, or they're getting pressured from, um, direct, uh, uh, management or, uh, businesses or whatever to do X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because of that, you get a mess. Um, and I, I, I really feel like, uh, the original Star Wars really, really hit the nail on the head with character development. Uh, the way they were written and the way you get to know them. And by the end of the film, you feel, I don't know, you feel content with it. You feel content with the characters as a whole. And that's great. That really is great. I love that. That's, that's, you're, you're right. It was a simpler time. It is good nowadays where they have a bit of the kind of ambigu- ambiguity. Are the good guys really also holy and are the bad guys? Are they, are they the good guy? They're the good guys in their own mind and yeah, X, Y, Z. But this was a simpler uh, idea. You've got the good guys, you've got the bad guys. Bad, the yeah. good guys are the underdogs. The bad guys are the evil villains with yeah. all the weapons and the Death Star. Uh, yeah. And it's the underdog story, and that's why it succeeds so well. People like that, I think. People like the black, like the black and white of it, you know. But uh, it doesn't mean you can't have complicated characters that turn course, sides yeah. and stuff like that. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, you know. This saga is full of that, but. This film was very good. It laid a foundation um, without George even knowing it, without George even knowing it. Um, and I know um, from my knowledge anyway, I think he wrote, he, he kind of like had a rough idea of episodes five and six or, or at the time they were just sequels. Yeah. And he even had ideas for a prequel trilogy and so on and so forth, you know, because this was his world. He had a crazy imagination and it just kept going on and on and on and on. I think he had um, nine films in his head. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, well, we can talk about that another time because, yeah, yeah. uh, that, that is, you, you get some really interesting, um, factoids on, on that. But, um, George really, really, really w- produced a work of art with a new hope. He did. And when he mentioned the chemistry of the big three, the whole scene of essentially rescuing the princess from the Death Star, you've got, uh, when Han, Luke, Chewie and Obi-Wan are on the Falcon. They get drawn in to the Death Star. They have to don the Stormtrooper outfit. Uh, Han and Luke basically laying waste to all the troopers and, and Solo's on the intercom 
how uh, well how are you that kind of comedy <laughs> then oh, they rescue it. the princess and then you've got the trash compactor scene and then obviously the escape and then of course in between that you've got vader v over one obi-wan so that entire scene highlights that chemistry how well those three work together it's got some of yeah. the best moments obviously also han chasing after those two stormtroopers getting to the end of the corridor realizing it's about 50 and it, and it ends up running back <laughs> yeah I love it. And that's all before we get to Obi-Wan and Vader. Yeah. So good. So good. I mean, I'm just sitting here. I'm thinking of all of those scenes. I'm reliving them in my head. They are so good. I need to watch A New Hope after this. I think that's what I'm going to do as well. And you mentioned (laughs) earlier on, but all I can say, you mentioned this earlier, but all I can say, John Williams literally lent his golden hand to this and literally created gold. From that, from the opening blast of that theme song to the binary sunset, the cantina yeah. song, the last battle, the themes themselves are, are as memorable as the movie. Like the, yes. the, the binary sunset swelling as Luke gazes into the twin suns. Yes. That's as iconic as the scene itself. Um, yeah. And there's so many kind of scene slash score combos in this movie. It's incredible. And John Williams is, uh, he, he's, he is the maestro. There's a reason Why? for that. I couldn't agree more. Without John Williams, we wouldn't have the story that we love so much. The emotion that comes out of uh, a film with his music in it, especially Star Wars, is phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I never uh, have you ever seen? Um, it's one of the documentaries. I think it's one of the original um, trilogy documentaries. Uh, and I think I'm pretty sure it came with the special editions or the or like the you know the silver box. Yeah, with, yeah, um, yeah. You know that one. So. It's it's comes in one of those, right? I forget which which documentary it is, but um, in there, uh, George and, and a few of the cast and producers and stuff, they all say um, they were really worried about Star Wars, and they were really worried with where it was going and stuff like that. But suddenly, when John Williams kind of came in, made the music and stuff, it, it, everything just clicked into place. Everything made sense. Okay, um, I can see why or hear why. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Whether John Williams is a genius. Um, and we, we, we as fanboys are indebted to him because the stuff he has done for modern cinema is, is really second to none. His list of credits is outstanding. He, like, just, just the stuff he's done, Jaws, Harry Potter, most of the Spielberg films, Home yeah, Alone, Jurassic Park. Star Wars, Jurassic Park. I mean, so good. There's probably so many I'm forgetting, and people are probably shouting at their computers yeah. or their iPods now. <laughs> yeah. But they're the ones that come to, to, off the top of my head. But when he did the score, it's funny because at the time, films were kind of moving away from those big orchestras, and they were going for more contemporary music. So yeah. I think George admitted actually just getting John Williams on board was a risk at the time because films weren't using those kind of scores then. If anything, that kind of, it, I wouldn't say that brought the score back, but the films were certainly sci-fi, certainly sci-fi, were moving away from that kind of thing uh, and going for something new. So it's another decision that the luckiest man in the world, George Lucas, made that paid off. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's beautiful. Yeah, and I guess um, we wouldn't be fanboys, certainly not Star Wars fanboys, if we didn't flip it on its head. George Lucas was the luckiest man in the world. He did create molten gold. But were there any moments of the film which didn't work for you or that he kind of don't hold us in high esteem as as the rest of it? 
Oh, Matt, listen, listen. Um, this, I was trying to think of this before the podcast and I was thinking to myself, what do I really dislike about a new hope and the original trilogy? And it's hard. It's tough. It's hard. It's tough. Um, but I, I like with everything, nothing's perfect. So I do have some negatives. This is really minor. This could be seen as being really picky. <laughs> really picky. Okay, you're gonna laugh at this. I know okay, drumroll. You, know, you know when? <laughs> you know when? Um, Obi Wan first comes out, right? Yeah. They're in Tatooine. Luke's kind of like getting attacked by the Tusken Raiders. Um, Obi Wan comes out. And he's making those like crazy noises. Oh, yeah. and, like, and like waving his arms in the air, and his and his and his Hood is really pointy, <laughs> like really pointy. Gandalf. I don't like that. That's it. That's what I don't like. His well, hood is very pointy, and I don't like that he comes out and he's making all these weird noises and waving his arms around. <laughs> like a drunk hobo. Yeah. You, you, uh, I mean, now you can see how desperate I was to, to critique yeah. this. Yeah. That noise he makes has also been changed from the original to the special editions and back to the remastered edition. So the noise he makes has been through the ringer as well. So um I think they settled on that crate dragon kind of whale. No way, I never noticed that. They did. Um if you um if you go on YouTube, I think there's some comparison videos on there, but it has changed. <laughs> one one of them, I can't remember which one, was horrible. <laughs> one of them was it really bad. Um but that really and that's is... probably the one I'm listening to then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that's probably the one I'm in. So even that then, that kind of like lowers it down a little bit. But uh, even still, I, I don't like that. I know that's really picky, but I don't like that. No, I'm, I struggle as well. I mean, if I'm going to put my film critic hat on, some of the pacing is slightly awry. And I yeah, guess true, it's true. Quite, it I was, was quite say bold. That. Yeah, it's quite a bold move starting... With having the droids on Tatooine for as long as they did, because obviously you have the crash bang wallop of Vader and the stormtroopers, and then suddenly you're on a planet with these two droids you've never met going through the sound. So obviously there's no human characters, which is no which is no bother to me whatsoever. But I, that bit could have backfired, and I think as a kid that was the bit which I which I wish would hurry up because I just wanted I wanted when I was like five or six, seven, I wanted to see the the action. But yeah, in hindsight, as an adult. I don't, I, agree. I don't mind. I don't. I, I, I like that scene, but I guess growing up, that was a scene I, I that bothered t- me. I, I I actually totally agree. Some of the pacing, and I think this is a again. Uh, it almost seems unfair to say, but I do think it's an age thing as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm a like we're we're part of like the millennial generation, and kind of I don't know. Um, attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. And it's sad to say, but sometimes when I'm watching the originals and, uh, and A New Hope is probably the, I mean, wor- I, I'm going to say the worst, but even that, it, it's not bad at all. Uh, I feel like I'm more on even saying worse, but it feels like it's the worst with its pacing of the original trilogy. No, I agree. Uh, and there are, there are moments, like say if I was sitting with someone who'd never seen A New Hope before, had no idea what was going on, I would kind of I'd, I'd feel maybe a little self-conscious that yeah I, i'd maybe feel like whispering to them like don't worry it picks up again soon <laughs> yeah. you know but even that it's still great i can't point to a specific scene or moment of which i think 
I really have an pr- actual problem with that, which, yeah. you know, like I say, not, nothing's perfect whatsoever, uh, but I can't think of anything major. Because, again, if you look at it with rose-tinted glasses, everything was new then, so the Death Star in Star Wars wasn't an overused tr- cliche or trope. It was new. It was new, yeah, absolutely. I didn't even, absolutely. We didn't even mention Grand Moff Tarkin, by the way, and Peter Cushing, I just remembered. Oh, so good. I've just remembered so how good he was. Good. He he was phenomenal in this film. He was so good. I mean, you really hated this guy. He was like a headmaster, like a really old school strict headmaster. Who blows who up planets. Knew, yeah. Who you knew if you were sent to his office, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, I want to die. Because yeah. this guy's scary. This guy is authority. Exactly. I can't believe we, I can't believe we didn't mention him. But um. Uh, there's so many good things though. I'm sure we've missed more out, but there's there's so many good things. Well, that's it because in my head I was just sort of mentally going through the scenes and very quickly flashed up the moment where they obviously make Princess Leia watch as her home world gets blown up, and I remember thinking, "Cool, that's pretty dark." Um, but then it just reminded me, obviously, that Grand Moff Tarkin's in that, and we hadn't mentioned him at all. But yeah. I can't think of anything. Yes, Luke's a bit whiny. He is also how old? I think he's what eighteen, nineteen in the in the galaxy. His age was, so I guess that kind of answers that question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a few um, there's a few like really silly things. If you really want to be picky and you want to put like you said, Bill, and you want to put your film critic hat on, um, there's a few things like with the stormtrooper running into the door. <laughs> you know, there's that. Um, and there's also, this is, I didn't even find this out till I think like a year ago. And I think again, this was maybe a documentary, it might have been on YouTube or something, but, um, you know, when they're in the trash compactor. Yeah. Right. They're in the trash compactor scene. Um, and they, uh, the, the next scene, they come out of the trash compactor. Right. Okay. And, um, I think filming on set for, uh, A New Hope, uh, Mark Hamill kind of went, sh- you know, like, shouldn't our hair be wet? You know, because we, we were just like underwater for a second. And, um, he, he was like, oh, you know, maybe I should go tell George. Um, he might want to know this. And there's this like famous, uh, well, I think it's famous. I really remember it, but basically Harrison Ford, like, basically stopped him, like, made him turn around and told him, like, hey, kid, listen. It's not that kind of film, you know, like, cause it isn't, it isn't that kind of film, you know, it's, it's not that kind of movie. I think he said he's an American. So they say movie, but, um, still even, I, I even feel even where it kind of fails, uh, you still kind of give it the benefit of the doubt. It still earns brownie points because it's so charming. That's it. Exactly. And this, and it's, Sometimes films can get a pass because where everything else, the majority of it is so very good that the minor moments are literally minor moments. I mean, if yes. somebody is, if somebody's out there now and their, and their experience of a new hope was spoiled by obviously Luke not having wet hair, then, well, I don't know what to say about it. That, right. the, um, that, the creature, the Dianoga in the creature in the trash compactor actually got a name. It's not, her, her name is Omi. Really? Yep. There's a brilliant. Omi. Omi or Omar, O-M-I, Omi, Omi. There oh. was, there's a book, brilliant book came out called From a Certain Point of View, which <sighs> had 40 stories, oh, short, short stories. Yeah. And it's fan, it's a superb book. Some of the stories are a bit, naff. yeah, yeah, naff. But there are some fantastic <laughs> stories in there. If anyone hasn't read it, I highly recommend checking out that particular book. 
because some of the stories are awesome. But yeah, the Dianoga gets a um, gets a chapter. Uh, it's a weird chapter. It's not the best, but yeah, it's a female and she's called Omi. And I've got a funny feeling she's force sensitive. No, I I think she might be. She doesn't use really? it, but I think she can sense it. All oh, right, okay. So maybe that's why they they explain they went for Luke and that. I just think it's still like a monster in a trash combatter, but still, whatever, whatever Disney. I'm okay with that though. I'm not. And I, <laughs> I, every time I watch it, I never think, "Oh, look, there's Omi, the force sensitive." Yeah, lizard, right. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I I agree. But uh... so I think the the main takeaway is there's not an awful lot wrong. But the overall effect on pop culture, so the merchandise, and of course the toys, the quotes, the oh, characters, everything about it is incredible. It changed the world. It really it did. did change the world. And at a time when um, the world really needed its escapism, it got it. Yeah, and it still lives on now. Yes. So many Absolutely. people are saying that they wish the new films were more like the old films, which, let's face it, they're not that different. People still have, people still want it now. So. Yeah. Um, so, three long years passed from A New Hope until in 1980, Lucasfilm unleashed The Empire Strikes Back. Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder! You've got a lot of guts coming here, after what you pulled. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Do or do not. There is no try. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. No disintegration. Hello, what have we here? Impressive. Most impressive. I have no doubt this boy is the offspring. Of Anakin Skywalker. No! He's no good to me dead. For my ally is the Force. And the powerful ally it is. I love you. I know. You have failed me for the last time, Admiral. I'm not afraid. You will be. You will be. You like me because I'm a scoundrel. Join me, and together we can rule the galaxy as father and son. And how you doing, Chewbacca? Mm. You still hanging around with this loser? The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. I don't believe it. That is why you fail. No. I am your father. Oh. Empire Strikes Back. This is one of those films. Now, correct me um, if I'm wrong. You you probably know more about this, but I've spoken to uh, a few like proper film geeks and stuff, and filmmakers. Um, and when you go to university, well, in the UK anyway, um, you 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 study lots and lots of films, right? Mm-hmm. And Empire Strikes Back is one of those films people study um, because it is cinematically, it's it's a fantastic film. It's again, it's a masterpiece. It was the sequel. Um, a darker sequel with darker tones, mm-hmm. more serious tones. It was interestingly, and I think this is something that people should remember today, specifically, it was a film that was negatively received 
It was at the box office. It wasn't um, loved worldwide. People didn't understand why the original Star Wars even needed a sequel. They didn't understand uh, why they went down the darker route uh, and so on and so forth. But to this day, the film has uh, stood the test of time. And again, this is one of my favourite films. Um, We're introduced to more characters that are just as interesting um, as the original bunch. Uh, Lando specifically being one of them. Um, we see Boba Fett. We see the other bounty hunters. There's a bit more world building. And of course, how can you not forget Yoda? So good. Exactly. So, so good. And I mean, the movie is different from the original Star Wars. Not as much as people think. If you go back and watch it, it's the, the Dagobah section really changes things up. It opens up the mystery and the spiritualism into the saga, so that is different. But nowadays, I really dig that sort of, that part of it. Um, yes. But like you say, the new characters were added and actually added something to the story. They weren't just thrown in because we needed extra characters. They really add something to the film and the trilogy as a whole, especially yes. Yoda and especially Mister Cool Lando. Oh, so good, so so good. I think, I think the Empire Strikes Back is one of those films where it's everything about it is pretty much good. Like it really is so, so good. I mean, the budget's a little bit bigger. Um, The world building, you know, continues. It it expands, but it still stays familiar. Um, We see a few more um, layers to each character. The characters are challenged. Um, And also, we see the big reveal, which a lot of people, um, when, you know, Luke um, and Vader up, dueling at the top of uh, Cloud City, um, Vader says, no, I'm your father. Uh, people just come out of the cinema. Well. Sorry? He said it just in that tone as well. Yeah, exactly. And people came out of the cinema thinking, nah, he's, a, he's lying, surely. You know, um it's incredible. It's again. It's great filmmaking and it's great storytelling. Great yes. storytelling. Yeah, and if I believe, if I'm right in thinking, I think George Lucas actually funded that sequel because the budget is so much bigger. He fronted up his own cash in order to have it made. Um, and I think it's a good. I think it worked well that he got Irving Kershner on to direct because oh, yeah. he. I'm not sure Lucas would have bought what Kirshner did. In fact, I'm sure that Lucas wouldn't have bought the tone and the story that Kirshner did. Like you say, this it is a fantastic movie. There's not much <laughs> I can think. It's it's one of those movies where it's hard to kind of go into it too much because it's and in terms of what what is good because the easy, the harder well actually is it an easier harder question? What wasn't good? It's probably an even harder question. But if, almost yeah. everything about it was so good. And that obviously the obviously that big reveal at the end is still held up as one of cinema's great twists. Oh yeah, and it's it's one of those things. Again, it's one of those things you could go to your neighbour's house and wrongly you would quote Luke, I am That's it. And people would know the answer. People could finish off your sentence. You know, I couldn't do that with any Marvel film. I couldn't do that with Avatar or Titanic. You know, or Star Star Trek, beef. Those guys. Yeah, those guys, those schmucks on the other side. (laughs) We don't need them. 
We don't need them. No, Star Trek's all right. I don't mean any BB. It's okay. But it isn't the same in, in pop culture um, and in the modern world. It just isn't in the same league. It no. is, it's a fact. Sorry. Done. Agree. Can you imagine being around in 1980, going to the cinema to watch the follow-up and then having that reveal at the end? Because, again, oh. n- this is 1980. There's no such thing as the internet in the pop in in the modern world so nobody knew anything nobody knew anything that's got even the actors didn't know apart from uh, mark hamill and james o jones i think were the only ones who knew Um, i think not even the cast knew i think the only the closest thing you can see to people's reactions is you can see on youtube like uh, people coming out the theater like interviews and even then they're you know far and far and few between but you can see and I find this really interesting is when little kiddies on YouTube watch Star Wars for the first time and you can see them reacting to this scene for the first time. So you, you think about it. They're relatively young. And if they've not been exposed um, to pop culture all that much and a lot of TV and film, then, yeah, they, there's a chance they wouldn't know how this plays out. And it's so, so interesting, so interesting seeing their reaction to this scene for the first time their faces just light up and they go what what is he lying he's got to be kidding me he's a liar and i do that now to be honest to my face lights up when i hear it so yeah and again we need to credit mark hamill's performance in this scene especially his acting in this i love it well, yeah, because he he was fed the line from David Prowse. He was fed the line that Obi Wan killed your father. So he's reacting to a different line. Yeah, which is which is impressive, obviously, because like I say, no, nobody knew it. So when 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 the cast went to the premiere in 1980, they heard that, and obviously David Prowse with his uh, West Country accent also realized also heard that <laughs> his voice his uh his line had been completely replaced, but. It works a lot better like that. Yeah, I, honestly, I keep forgetting that. I keep forgetting that because, wow, what a reveal. What a reveal. I mean, it's 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 almost, um, you, you don't get that nowadays, do you? Even with the hype with the uh, sequel trilogy and stuff like that, you don't get cinema like that now. No, and spoiler for the next episode of this podcast, but I hope that they don't try something like that in the new trilogy to try and weave in a big twist just be- just because. No, no. It doesn't need... The, the original trilogy has that locked. I mean, it's it's probably... You know, correct me if I'm wrong, you're more of the film geek out of us too, Matt, but it's probably the biggest twist in film history, right? It's certainly in the top three. I could, you know what I mean? It, it, off the top of my head, I could think of a few usual suspects or maybe Psycho, yeah. but they're all on the same level. But in terms oh, of, yeah. in terms of the level of film, and obviously that was, it was a hugely anticipated movie. And in hindsight, it's the one people, it's probably the one people remember the most. Even if you don't yes. like the films, you know it. You know it. You wouldn't you know, know that. It. You may not know that Kaiser Soze is the villain in, in the usual suspects. Yeah. It's a superb twist for those who've seen it. And if you haven't seen it, I've just ruined the whole film. But um, <laughs> it's 20 years old. It's 30 years old. You should have seen it by now. Um, <laughs> but it, that's, it, it's certainly one of the top three twists of all time, if not the number one. Oh, yeah. I, I, I completely agree. Completely agree. So, the hard, one of the hardest questions in the world to try and succinctly answer. Best moments 
of The Empire Strikes Back? Oh, I think few. number one is what we were just discussing, for the sure. Twist, the reveal, yeah. the big twist. It's so good. It's so well done. Um, number two? Oh, man, there's so many to oh, choose no. from. I would probably have to go with the Yoda-Luke scene. I mean, when Yoda is teaching Luke about the Force and about how the world works, it's so beautiful, so spiritual. And that score and again. so meaningful, the score, the music. And you you look at Yoda and you think, that's real. That's not a puppet, you know? It was so good. And again, you got a, you got a Frank, um, shout out to Frank Oz for creating something so believable and beautiful. You know, again, Lucasfilm, ILM, Frank Oz, George Lucas, Irvine Kirshner, it, all these people, they made art. They made pop culture and it was beautiful. The Yoda Luke scene is, I think, faultless. Yeah, as a kid, I remember thinking that was a bit slow, but in hindsight, I was an idiot because it's brilliant. Um, oh, yeah. The lessons, the location, the monologue, there's so many quotable scenes from the saga just in that five minute, ten minute stretch, uh, and they're all from that little green guy. Yeah. Pretty I don't much. believe it. I don't believe it. That is why that, you fail. That is why you fail. You know, oh, it's so good. It's so good. And so much of it you can apply to modern life. You can apply to living in a, on a day-to-day basis. You know, uh, it's so brilliant. So brilliant. You could do it. And also, speaking about his image, that's what I loved CGI Yoda in the prequels, just simply because it looked very good. But there's something about having a practical dummy in front of you just to make yeah. it look, you know, as real as you obviously can do. But it's practical. You know it's there on set, and you know that the actor, Mark Campbell in this case, was yeah. working off of something fit, tangible there. So it just makes oh, it it makes it makes feel a lot just realer. It's always better when you can see and feel and sense what's around you. And I think, again, I think we briefly mentioned this in the last podcast, that yeah, you know, I think this was one of maybe the mistakes of the prequels is that you see Ewan McGregor um, on like some stool or something. And he's <laughs> literally just in a room full of green and blue. You know, it's not he's not anywhere. It's just in a studio. And you um, use your imagination. It, yeah. Yeah. And there's only so much that you can use reasonably. I mean, the. the, the prequels and George Lucas and Lucasfilm were very fortunate to have Ewan McGregor. Uh, who's such a good actor, actor. Um, but in the original trilogy, the practical effects again were, I think the, the, some of the best practical effects, you know, we've seen of that time of that era. Yeah. Um, it's I, fantastic. Just on the blue, blue screen, blue screen, green screen chat. I do also want to give a, give a shout out to the matte painting that is in the background when Han and Lando are talking it's the Millennium Falcon, and you can tell it's a painting on screen. So just to quickly throw that, some of the backgrounds weren't particularly impressive, but for the most part, they were. Hang on, what? If you go back, actually, that might be, I can't remember, this might be, it might be Empire, it might be Return of the Jedi, either one of them. Yeah, but yeah. they're talking, on and Lando, about um, yeah. something, and in the background is the Falcon in a hangar, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. clearly a painting. No! And you can see Billy D walking towards... Well, painting. Um, 
It's fa- I can't... serious? I didn't know that. It's in one of them. So, so again, for the angry listeners oh, who were dude. shaking their lightsabers because I may have got something I'm, wrong, tell I'm me like, which film it was. Yeah, I'm going to look for that after this. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, well, hey, it's it's clearly a painting. now, <laughs> I know it's so, clearly a painting. But oh, again, oh. picky, minor, tiny. That's one of those things. Now you've said it, I'm going to look for it, and, and I'm going to see know it, it every time. <laughs> now, why'd you do this to me? I'm sorry. It's a good painting. It's a good painting. Such a good it painting. Was, you didn't realise, but. Uh, that's not saying much, though. It fooled me, but it's not oh, saying no. much. But we mentioned yeah. Lando. The introduction of Lando. Well, oh, what man. have we here? That shakes up the dynamic in a good way as well. Uh, boss. Absolute king. Lando was fantastic in Empire. So good. In, in, in this trilogy, in Jedi and Empire, fantastic. All of them were fantastic. That's right. And you've got Han so- uh, sorry, Harrison Ford and Billy Dee, two of the coolest men in the, in the world facing off against each other it's brilliant yeah and there's this um i oh matt please forgive me but i need to mention it because i've been mentioning this at work so much with the release of the solo trailer right everyone's like oh the millennium falcon's different one of my and this was before the solo even came out this is actually one of my favorite scenes is when lando and han meet and you can tell the the acting between them is so good. You believe and you feel they are good friends. I've known each other for a very long time. Their relationship goes back and it does. Right. And then Lando looks behind him and he sees his ship and he goes, what have you done to my ship? Yes, it. You know, oh, that, that was the kind so of writing good. that the prequels suffered from, because in that particular line of dialogue, those that that scene you can tell that they're old buddies, but it doesn't go into saying, oh, remember that time 40, 30 years ago when you did this on this planet in this ship? It, it sets them up as old buddies. One of them's been swindled. What have you done to my ship? It's a simple way of introducing the fact that they're, they're old pals without going too heavy into dialogue and exposition. Yep, yep, absolutely agree. That's absolutely. a very good point. Um, uh, the uh, We forgot the opening Battle of Hoth as well. Uh, the Rebellion are portrayed as really under the cosh in this movie. Oh, so good. I walkers. love, love the walkers. I mean, again, as a kid, I think I wanted, I wanted like four AT-AT walkers. I mean, here, here's a question. Is it AT-AT or ATAT? You've just taken the words out of my mouth. I've always called it ATAT, but then sometimes <gasps> I find myself saying AT-AT. Oh, so contraire. I'm on the oh, fence. Man. If it's an eighty at or an at eighty, it's it's one of them. <laughs> there was I remember I think recently I, I think I was um listening to another Star Wars podcast. There is another There is another what? Yeah, no, I was listening to another Star Wars podcast and they got this interview, I think it was like Fox News over in the States or something, and and um it was I think it's like the Rogue One a promo or something like that. And there was a news reporter and you can tell she's kind of like reading from a script and she, she, you can tell she's not a Star Wars fan, right? She's faking it. And she goes, uh, she reads this word. She kind of like stumbles and she doesn't say 80, 80 and she doesn't say at, at, she goes like, at, at, or something (laughs) like that. And you can tell kind of, as soon as she said that, she's like, Oh, Oh, Right, I look like Whoops. a mug. Yep. Yeah, I look like a mug. But R-T-R-T. there you go. 
Yeah, at at. We'll have to find that clip, but it's it's funny. Please do share it. I, they, I think they asked Pablo Hidalgo how to what is the pronunciation, and I think he kind of swerved the question a bit. So there is no oh. actual pronu- way to say it. I don't think. Yeah, I always I always think it's one of those things like you can um, pronounce it whatever way you like in the end, um, especially that because it's fantasy and it's fun. It's fun. It's one of those fun debates. Why would um, Pablo want to? come and put his iron fist down and be like, no, this is one way to say it, when he is fully aware that people debate over this, talk about this. He's so chuckling as we all fight over how to pronounce a, a fantasy walker. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What a good, what an awesome job he's got. Um, awesome. Then you've got, what else, what else, what else? The romance in the film actually works this time. Oh, it's so good. I love you. I know. Apart from Luke, have, Luke and Leia, their brother and sister, but that's weird. But we'll go off that very quickly. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I mean, again, if you if you were watching this for the first time in the in the eighties, when when did it come out? Eighty one. Nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. Um, in the cinema, you wouldn't know any different, I guess. But then again, in the original. The Emperor looked really weird, didn't he? <laughs> he looked ridiculous. He looked That's really... another change that was really, necessary. It was necessary. And people... Um, hey, people are really quick, and rightfully so. They, they're they kind of really quick to judge um, all the spe- special editions and the edits and so on and so forth. But... There are some really, really good changes, and that's one of them. Especially in Empire, because the special editions made Cloud City look like an actual planet, whereas in the original cut of the film, of course, there's not much they could really do. But in the special editions, the windows are now actually windows, and they're, you can see what's going on outside, and, you, and there's more people when there's ships floating around, so it really yeah. expands that part of the planet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Totally agree. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, again, the score, you've got Yoda's theme, Han Solo and the Princess, and the most important one of if any film, the Imperial March was debuted. Oh, so good. So good. Oh, man. Um, again, it's one of those songs that is Star Wars. It is Star Wars. You play it anywhere, people are like, oh, Star Wars. So yeah. good. And it just, And it just, I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but it fits. It fits the character. It does. It totally does. Totally does. Totally does. It's so, again, John Williams. Fantastic. Uh, It's another reason why this film is so precious to pop culture and to us nerds. And nerds we are. Hence why we're doing this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But uh, again, and the carbonite scene, I'm thinking about that as well. The whole scene, you just mentioned a famous quote from it. But um, that's fantastic because obviously we see Lando, but Lando, we see Lando, um, <laughs> obviously betray his old buddy, and then what's he going to do to get himself out of it? If, yeah, if you meet and Boba Fett as we well. Boba Fett, Boba Fett, Boba Fett again. There's another one. Yeah, Boba Fett. Yeah. We'll call him Boba. You meet I, Boba I, Fett. I call him Boba. I call him Boba. This sounds more fun. He's in he meet Boba Fett. Um, so you get to finally see a new bounty hunter. We'll get into him a bit later on. But um, so much cool stuff is introduced, and there's so many fantastic and the duel between Luke and Vader. <gasps> so good, so good, so much fire and passion, and 
untrained potential in Luke and Vader's kind of like toying with him and stuff. It's, it's so powerful and cinematic. It's great. Yeah, that, that kind of scope of the film was a big cinematic epic. There's not really much I can say against the film. Again, we've said it before. Nothing's perfect. Nothing's ever really perfect. No, this no. isn't a perfect film by any means, but it's, it hasn't really got much going against it. Let's have a think. Luke's uh, still a bit, he's still a bit whiny. Yeah, and even then it's not justified because it's his character. Yeah. Uh, what, what? I guess I, if, I would probably say the Luke in, in retrospect, the Luke and Leia kiss. And that's only in retrospect. Yes. Now knowing that they're brother and sister, it just now becomes creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's one of those things where it's like, George, you didn't know what you wanted to do with these characters. And you know, he, there are lots of different ideas on whether he did know or whether he didn't know. Um, and et cetera, et cetera. But we'll leave it there because again, that's something we just don't know. But all I know is that it doesn't feel right when you see the whole, um, saga. I know it's weird. It's weird. Uh, I'm sure some people out there would say that the Dagobah scenes are too slow. I don't think they are. I think they're perfectly paced, but I'm sure there'll be people out there who say, Oh, well, it, it slows everything down. That isn't a that isn't a negative for me because I think they are brilliantly paced, but I can see some people maybe saying that. But as you can tell, now I'm really clutching at its jaws to find anything. I mean, trying to use other people's opinion now, which I don't even know, but I can imagine people. Yeah, would say I that, mean, but even even yeah, I mean, even like the again, there's so many positives to this trilogy, let alone this film, this this real meaty bit of the trilogy, the the middle film. Even the, um, on Dagobah, when the, the, the kind of like, it's almost psychedelic almost and, yeah. and a bit dark when Luke chop, like strikes Vader down. In the cave. The, yeah, in the cave and the, and the mask explodes and it's Luke again, you know, it's very, um, has a lot of metaphorical meaning to it, has a lot of meaning to it. And even that is great. I don't see how maybe if you're a a, a little uh, boy or girl, you'd maybe think what on earth is going on here? After all, these films are for kids. But even then, I know plenty other Pixar films, even though maybe more confusing than that. Yeah, uh, Pixar aren't, aren't shy about putting heavy metaphors into their films or messages right, hidden behind right. a kiddie exterior. There we go. So, uh, you know, even that, I think it's really hard to strongly critique this film. I really do. All I would say is, and again, this is justified, is there is no, uh, and it sounds so shallow, but there's so, there's no happy ending. There's no like, yeah, which you see so much, especially in American cinema. Yeah. Um, and that's why we love it so much that, you know, the Americans make such wonderful films that f- make you feel good. And Star Wars is one of those, but Empire certainly brought the tones down a little bit and it needed to go down. So even that, even that, you know, I can't criticize it that much. It's nearly faultless, this film. Yeah. There's Empire just seeds Strikes. of hope at the end of the film when they're looking out from the cop, from the viewpoint of the ship. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even that, 
it, I agree. It's not a biased thing to say. It's this, this. This film is held up in esteem by movie fans and critics the world over, whether you like the film or not. In terms of the context of this podcast, it's uh, I don't care about that. It's just a brilliant film. Yep. There's little to critique about it. I, I, there must be something. There's probably some dialogue somewhere, or one line, or some acting which maybe is a bit below par. But oh yeah, for I, sure. I, nothing jumps out. You've got Darth no, Vader nothing. is choking people left, right, and centre. So he's even more badass than he was before. Um, you've got the the three main characters start to go their own ways or together. One of them goes off on his own path. You get new characters coming in. The scope, the scale of the film has got even bigger. The stakes have been raised. You've got the massive twist at the end, one of the biggest, the best twists in in film history. I mean, where there's not really much room for negatives in the in the storytelling process. So, ever the tease merchants after the colossal reveal, which we just mentioned in full at the conclusion of Empire, it was another three years before the trilogy originally wrapped up in the form of Return of the Jedi. It's a trap! You're a jittery little thing, aren't you? Let the heat flow through you. There is another. Together again, huh? Wouldn't miss it. How are we doing? Same as always. That bad, huh? You rebel scum. When 900 years old you reach, look as good you are not. Hmm? I will not fight you, Father. I love you. I know. So what I told you was true, from a certain point of view. Oh, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive. I'm rather embarrassed, General Solo, but it appears you are to be the main course at a banquet in my honor. Everything that has transpired has done so according to my design. Force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. My sister has it. Luke, help me take this mask off. I'll never turn to the dark side. That blast came from the Death Star. That thing's operational. Now, young Skywalker. You will die. I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. Ah. Oh. Final movie of the OT. Firstly, as a final movie, at the time it really was the final movie, did it work? Was it a fitting end? I love... Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I adore this film. Shout out to my colleague Andrew because me and him, we always joke around saying that this is the feel good film of the year, right? Every year, <laughs> it's the feel good film of the year because it is, it's so feel good. It has so many happy, um, scenes to it. Very emotional scenes are, there are, um, more negative bits and more sad bits, but overall, the, the Return of the Jedi film just brings it all together and it's phenomenal. It's such a good ride. And yes, it ends the trilogy beautifully. That's what I think of Jedi. And that's what you remember as well. At the time, this, that was it. There was no more. There was no prequel trilogy. There was no 
concrete plans, regardless of what George says. There's no concrete plans to do a 7, 8 and 9. So this was it at the time. So again, it had to go out on a high. And for the most part, I think it did. I don't know, compare it to Empire is almost unfair. But there's a, again, there's a lot of good moments from this film. And I know you are very fond of this film. So uh, as a gentleman that I am, I'll let you lead off with, you know, your your memories and your best moments. I mean, one of my favourite memories, again, is is the merchandise. Like, I have a green lightsaber Luke Skywalker action figure, which I adore to this day. I am still with possession of that Luke Skywalker. I remember the Return of the Jedi Game Boy game, which was wow, really good d- fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That was the good stuff. I'd be a liar if being a boy... Not admiring Princess Leia in the golden bikini. That was ace. It had to be brought up at some point, didn't it? Oh, it's iconic. It's brilliant. You know, it really, it really is. Um, oh, you know, there's, there's so much. There's so much in this film, um, that makes you feel good. And that's so well done. So blinking well done. Yeah. It had, it had Richard Marcon's name as a director, but I think it's fair. It's fairly a, popular knowledge that he was director in name only i think george took a hell of a lot of ownership over this film so yep. he kind of this was unofficially his his film yes yeah, yeah, it, yeah, shows yeah. it does show it does show and it, it it needed to be george's as well you know he brings that happy old american feeling to 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 this to this film um and it's it's fantastic and he pulls it off it's not perfect you know, again, like we've said, not there's no film that is perfect. Um, and this certainly does have its flaws in places. You know, a lot of people get baffled at, uh, you know, using Tatooine again uh, and stuff like that. But it, uh, you know, I think everything can be justified and we see different parts of Tatooine. We see Jabba's palace, which is great. Yeah. But at this point, we need to bring up the special editions again because yeah. this is the Read my mind. There we go. We're great minds, great minds. This was always going to be where the special edition came in. You mentioned Jabba's Palace. You mentioned the special edition. I'm going to mention that bloody awful song that they sing. I think it's called Jedi Rocks. It's got a terrible title. It's a horrible moment in the film. And it made me almost want to put my head through the screen. Yeah. When that thing is singing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, again, it's one of those things where... If I was sitting next to someone who'd never seen Star Wars before, I'd be like, no, just cover your eyes and your ears for a second. I'm just going to fast forward this bit because it's stupid. It doesn't bring anything to the story. Uh, and it was a mistake. Oh, I agree. I sat, I was watching it with my bodacious partner, uh, who also almost just took leave and went to go and put a head in a vat of oil when that moment came on. It yeah. was, it, I, I almost sank into the chair because I, we are on a podcast, a special episode to talk about Star Wars, but that is that. I think that moment for me, and I'm going to go. I'm going to say it's sacrilege, it's heresy, but that moment is worse than any of Jar Jar Binks's moments. Oh, no, this, this could cause a fight between me and you, but it no, it's so no, at odds no, no, with no, the I'm... film, with the no. with the trilogy. It is the most unnecessary. Edition. 
I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm processing it. I'm processing it. I don't know. Joshua had plenty of bad moments. I mean, he had bad moments. You know what? I think I may just agree with you. I think I may just agree with you. Fist bump. Mate, boom. Done. It was awful. It was awful. It's so unnecessary. Like you said, I think you just mentioned it. It ruined the tone of that whole scene. It was just so stupid. So stupid. Forgive me, but I can't remember what was what the song was before that. I know it was, I think it was kind of a similar to the cantina ditty they had before, but yeah, I just don't know why they did that. But on the flip side of that, the, the special edition, the Canon version now has the victory celebration at the end, which incorporates, um, Naboo and, um, oh, I like that. I love that. Coruscant yeah. and all those other places, which kind of makes it, it, it has, a, I think that's much better than that. Yup. Nub song. The Ewoks did. Yep. Again, yep. I might get shot for saying that, but, John Williams' uh, score, the victory celebration, just I don't know, it makes it feel like more of a proper victory rather than the. It was a bit smaller when it was just yub nub. Yes, I completely agree. I love, I love the victory celebration. It's really, really good, really, really, really good, and it's one of those songs that makes me feel happy. It takes me to my happy place. It's great. Yeah, it's a, it's a lovely song. Yeah, it is. It really is. Completely agree. So, Return of the Jedi. Well, I suppose going through some of the moments that stick out, you've got, um, trying to go chronologically, obviously Luke appearing at Jabba's Palace. <gasps> yeah, the green lightsaber. He ignited the, the green. The rancor, yep. He ignited his the green, yes. Oh, so good. And that was also a character change for Mark uh, Luke Skywalker. Because when he came in, he... He used to, he force choked one of those Gamorrean guards, the pig, the pig dudes. Yes, he's dressed dressed all in black, and he's you know he's a lot more serious in tune with the dark. Yep, more like his yeah, more like his daddy. He's a Jedi Knight. You know, yeah. he's a man. He's walking down there. Yeah, he's the boss. He knows what That's he's it. doing. He's got the experience. He's got the swagger. He's got the confidence. Fantastic. So and then, good. He, get, and then he gets captured. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was all part of yeah. the plan. I mean, it was all so. part of the plan. It was all part of the plan. They knew what was going down. I don't know. Then you get to the sail barge and he, and he executes the plan when he's uh, with the old famous um, nod of the head. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So good. And little R2 there at the ready. That's it. To flip him, Beck, flip the green. You know, just doing <sighs> his thing. That doing was his... another moment that would go, that falls into my negatives about the film is... Boba Fett kind of turned up and then got knocked like out that. by a blind guy yeah. and was eaten. Yeah, yeah. He's still revered as one of the kind of coolest. He How looks cool work? and he is cool, but he went out like an absolute punk. Yeah, Boba, I think that, I mean, he's got to be one of the coolest looking villains and like highly acclaimed villains ever, but he's one of those people that just kind of do nothing. And he, and he goes out as a punk, like you said, I don't know. Still, who cares? It's good fun. Yep. He, he, yep. Getting taken out by a blind heart is a privilege. Um, <laughs> you've got, you go back, they go back to Dagobah and another, a quite a fun, a fun moment that I took from that canon novel I mentioned earlier on from a certain point of view is the, the gown, sorry, that Yoda is, cuddling into as he passes away it's Qui-Gon's old uh, robe no yeah so next time you watch that that's Qui-Gon's old robe 
that he that sinks into the Dagobah mud. You kidding me? No, hundred percent. Oh, that's awesome. So they're the kind of changes which, if you don't know, doesn't matter. But if you do know, it's pretty cool. And also shout out to my big brother who sobbed his eyes out when Yoda died and constantly wailed, Yoda, no. Oh. And he's, <laughs> he's nearer than 40 now. Uh, and he, as far as I'm aware, he still does the same. Oh, wow. I mean, it's, but it's so beautiful the way he passes. You know, it's not, it's not a bad death. You know, and he's, he's still with Luke. He's still with Luke, you know, uh, through the force and stuff. But wow, so good, so and, good. And again, he mentions there is another, so we have a kind of another, and there is another twist there. Um, Ooh, who is that? So it, it that back in nineteen eighty three, it was clear cut, but now, but now, I think they're trying. I've got a funny feeling they're trying to uh, play fast and hard with that. But mm, mm, I think so. Hang on, what what do you think in nineteen eighty three? Yeah. It was, I think it implied it was Leia. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Um, now, oh, we're moving into sequel tri- territory, but I think they're going to stretch it to its ray. What, now, let's, uh, uh, this is, this, this is dipping into the next episode, but it's, okay. it's it, okay. but it, but it also okay. links, but it also links into this story. Yeah, so sure, sure, let's sure. just hypothetically say, just quickly then, because we can jump onto this next time, but if that happened, would it lessen, next time you watched that scene in Return of the Jedi, knowing that was canon, let's say, would that affect how you see it for the better or worse? I think, I think it would be for the better. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it would be for the better, because I think the way they have written the story is that Leia could have probably pursued her Jedi um, career, right? Let's call it that. It's yeah. a terrible thing to call it, but let's call it that, right? Um, but she didn't. She chose to, and correct me if I'm wrong, I know I'm the comic book man and you're the book man, um, but there is um, a book about Leia like, pursuing the politics, right? The post-imperial era bloodline. politics, right? And she begins the New Republic, right? Bloodline. Um, so she kind of goes down the political route yep. since the sequel trilogy. I won't no no spoilers, but we know she's force sensitive. We'll leave it at that. We knew that from the original trilogy, but no, I, I, I think it's again, it's one of those things. And I think George Lucas did this with a few things like in a new hope with, Oh, we'll just mention the clone wars. And yeah. if you want to do anything with it, I can do it another time. Right. I think this was one of those moments where, yeah, we can kind of allude it to being Leia. But if I change my mind, you know, which I know I've done in the past, this is George speaking or how yeah. I imagine him speaking. Right. Um, he'd be like, actually, actually, mm, no, I've changed my mind. It's this person. So if it was Ray, fine. What would you do if in a in a comic book they they, they retconned it? So it was Ezra Bridger. It was, it was uh, just that, again, that's just throwing names out there because I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't he's like still that. out there because I Dave Filoni like couldn't find a way to finish the story. No, I would not like that because I think films come first. Yep, films come first. Not 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 books, not comics, not anything expanded. I know we don't use this term as much, expanded universe and stuff, but um, especially since the wipe and stuff, but. Mm-hmm. 
we uh, no films come first. So before anyone makes theories, including Ezra and stuff like that, you always need to take into consideration is that most Star Wars fans, not not even not even people who go and see the films, most Star Wars fans don't know who Ezra Bridger is. Yep, and they might they might not want to watch four seasons of an animated show to find out. Precisely. I wonder how many people are listening to this now. You're thinking, who the blinking heck is this Ezra? What, what are they <laughs> what are these idiots on about? Yeah, how many pints have these guys had tonight? <laughs> I, but honestly, you know, you shouldn't have to go watch a, an animated show just to fill in some blank in a film. No, no, no. That's, that's no, I, agree. I so, fully agree. So that's my answer to this. And that's why Jedi is so good. It does, it finishes things up, but there's room for a continuation in the story because like I said in the last podcast and this podcast is that Star Wars is a big sandbox for creatives to come and play in, to expand the universe, to tell their story, how they see things. And that's what makes it so magic. Exactly. And a lot of, uh, a lot of the pushback nowadays is lots of people don't want that to happen. They want it to be what they wanted it to be, or they want it to have, the big three going on forever and never aging and it doesn't work like that. And I'm glad that going forward, they have taken certain liberties with the story to make it a better story rather than just have 70 year old Luke Skywalker pulling down star destroyers and next to a, next to Harrison Ford with a Zimmer frame. Yeah. It, just, or, it wouldn't look right. It'd be silly. So yeah. Yeah. Or Chewie dying by a moon crashing into him. Oh, it's probably one of the worst ridiculous, other than the Yuuzhan oh, Vong, probably the most ridiculous people, thing they did. Don't get me started on the Yuuzhan Vong, man. I mean, what, the, you can tell we are Star Wars geeks, but yeah. honestly, guys that defend the expanded universe, you, you by defending it, defending all of it. And exactly. All of it, and I stand by, I'm a Star Wars fan, and I was into all the expanded, expanded universe stuff. Some of it's good. If, if you're defending the expanded universe, you are defending trash. Most yeah. it's absolute trash. I mean, even the Force Unleashed games, like the first one was pretty the first good. One's good, yeah, yeah. But Starkiller was still OP, but still it was good. And then all the second one was unbelievable. It's so stupid, so silly and stupid. Yeah, uh, there was so much of it out there that by just by definition of there being so much, there was going to be a lot of dross. There was some diamonds in there, it absolutely was, but. There was sure. also some absolute all the all the clones the clone of Luke whose name was Luke with two U's was just stupid. Yeah, cloning and the, the Emperor got cloned. Yeah, That's it. Emperor got cloned. Yeah, there was some really silly stuff, and it and it it kind of got hard to like keep track of it. This is where I think they're being clever um, with the next trilogy. Again, I I, I don't mean to, but th- this this is only natural. To, to start talking about the other stuff because Jedi so um, beautifully leads into this now in retrospect, right? It leads yeah. into this next trilogy. But this is where I think Disney made such, and a Lucasfilm, I should say, really, made such a good decision that this trilogy, this sequel trilogy, is the end of the Skywalker saga. We don't need to know about Luke's great, 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 great grandkids and stuff. You know, we don't, we don't need a continuous storyline once this trilogy ends you know give it some time 
yeah, have a have a, have a time skip, and I'm pretty pretty confident that's what they're doing. I think so, and I think it was in their best interest to wipe the EU as well because it gives them firstly that sort of linear narrative to follow, but then the aftermath trilogy it follows on directly after Return of the Jedi, and it yeah. kind of it, it, and it's like real life. They, the yeah. good guys won the battle. But uh, in terms of this massive, expansive galaxy, the war's still going. There's still pockets of resistance. You get that in modern day after World War Two. There are still pockets of Japanese soldiers or Nazi soldiers still, you know, staunchly fighting back until yeah. their numbers are no more. So and there was a has... lot of consequences to it. There was a lot of consequences to the Absolutely. World War One, World War Two. Yeah, I, I like I like what the writers are doing uh, with the sequels again. Um, but yeah. <laughs> And yeah, if you return- haven't read Bloodline, check it out because Bloodline is a su- is a fantastic book, it's a brilliant, brilliant book. Yeah, I, I think I might need to get an audio book of it or something because uh, I, know, I know you've recommended it to me before. I I like audio books, but I, I can't ever concentrate. I always find myself doing something else or falling asleep. Not because it's boring, but I get so into it that I end up drifting off. <laughs> do check Fair it enough. out. Um, yeah, no. But in, terms, but in terms of Jedi, Return of the Jedi. Yep. We haven't mentioned the throne room, the throne room battle, the, fi- the final battle. Oh, oh, mate. When Vader brings his kid in front of the big bad. Yeah, this is one of my favourite scenes, I think, in the whole saga. It's fantastic. It's powerful. It's frustrating. And yet Luke, with all of his power, the, you know, his fresh young energy he could strike his father down and so and so on and so forth and in that moment of control although he's lost control prior to that with that that you know he he was able to bring it all back and he went you know what no 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 you've lost palpatine mate you are done <laughs> you, you are know? done you mug yeah, exactly. Finito. You know, if he said that, it would have been a worse film. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's why we're not. That's why we're not writers. Oh, I'm a Jedi but, like my father before me. You idiot. Yeah. Listen, it it was so good, so good, and and Vader's uh, redemption was beautiful. And that's the yeah. right word for it. It's beautiful. And with the knowledge of the prequel trilogy, having that all six films now, it does end that a uh, lens that kind of extra gravitas to that situation it's very it's really well done uh, and that scene like you like you just mentioned he goes from wanting to slice the emperor's head off when he lunges for his saber to tossing it away and you know saying i will die for my belief I mean, it's, it's you know it's such it's so well written in that moment and of yeah. course you've got the you've got the probably the you've got the space battle going on with lando trying to take out the death star and then you've got the ground assault on Endor, which is my one of my favourite parts of all three films, apart from one bit. Um, but I love the Battle of Endor. I love following that. I moment. love the Battle of Endor. It's cute. And I, I love the Ewoks. I'm an Ewok lover. Uh, <sighs> I, know, I know. I think we slightly have different opinions on this. We do. I just don't, didn't like how, I like them. I liked the fact that on this forest planet there's these teddy bears which fight back i like that but it was a bit home alone for me at times and the idea that but i don't there's something about it which didn't work and there's just there's obviously the cynical side of it which is selling toys blah blah but there's something about it which didn't and it still doesn't quite click 
But as I've grown older, it you know I, I accept it more. And the bit where that Ewok gets blasted by the ATST Walker is despicable, yeah. and he killed one of them. <laughs> yeah. His mate cries over him. It's quite sad. I know, I know, I know. I still, I still love it. I, again, maybe I see it through rose-tinted glasses, but I think it's quite harmless and it, it's good fun. But I know there again, there are friends of mine that don't like them, but still, I, I like them. I like them. They can stay. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it is that I don't dislike them, but you do like them. That's where it works, um, and I like and I like yeah, your reasoning sure. for for that. For sure, for sure. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. It's no problem at all. Uh, but that that was probably my main beef with the story: uh, uh, the Ewoks and how Boba Fett was offed. Uh, some of the again, some of the pacing at the beginning with Jab with Jabba Palace and getting to the Sarlacc pit. Some of the pacing is a bit a bit off. It's it's another high class movie. Uh, where it fits in the ranking is coming in the next episode. But do you have any, any 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 moments in this film which you roll your eyes at, other than that song oh, in the palace? I think, yeah, the palace song. Maybe the Ewoks did a little bit too much damage to some stormtroopers and stuff. And uh, oh, let's have a think. I mean, no. I, again, maybe because it feels like it's almost holy to me. Yeah. You know, I can't just go and change something or, you know, be like, oh, I'll do this totally different. I don't feel like I have the authority on it. Um, but it's, it's, it's a good laugh. Is it perfect? No. Could it be better in places? Yeah, of course it can. But um, I love it. I love it. And it's such good fun. And it, it puts me in a good mood. It puts me in such a good mood. Um, but I'll tell you one thing. I remember watching um, these films. Uh, if I was like, oh, well and off from school, I'd be like, right, I'm watching Star Wars. And I always remember when the prequels had come out um, and I'd watch Return of the Jedi, I'd always watch it. And at the end, I'd always think, I can't believe that's it. I can't believe that that is the end of this story. Um, and even with the expanded universe and so on and so forth, you know, we had that material and that's great. But I still part of me was like, no, it's the films. It's the films that, are, you know, really touch your heart. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. And that expanded universe was never it was never really official like canon. So no. there's that. No, 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 also, because the good stories, it was people may argue that it was canon. But I mean, George himself kind of said, you know, you, you know, we, we we can we can say it is, but he never really actually classed it as canon. But no. it in in terms of the trilogy, I think it wrapped it up really well with the ending of it, yes. um, how it ended, uh, especially in the special edition with the wider wider scope. I think it ended it off brilliantly. But I know what you mean. It's a kind of when you watch it in nineteen ninety five and without the knowledge that more films are coming, you kind of think. Yeah, I want more. You want you want to see more of where these got, people are going yeah, to go to. Yeah, absolutely. And now we have that, of course, to an extent. But then yep. it was different because obviously there was no Lucas Disney. So there's no Disney buyout. There was no guarantee. We had we had to make do with the prequels, which isn't a bad sacrifice. And then we had the Clone Wars. But you know, we never really thought we never ever thought we were going to get the sequel to Return of a Jedi. No, no, no. And we did. We did. We did, and uh, I I love your passion for this movie because uh, I can t- I I know how much 
this isn't, this isn't spoilers for the rankings, guys, because I know you all can't wait for those, but I know how much you really, really, really adore this film. And I will say that Return of the Jedi is probably the film from the OT, which for me is the most rewatchable. If I ever want to just satiate my craving for a bit of Han Solo or any of them, yeah, I, I, I always right. put Return of the Jedi on. I don't know why. Maybe it's because yeah, it is, I is that kind right. of a sense of fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I, I'd agree with that. I think I've watched probably Jedi. Um, it's probably one of my most most watched uh, Star Wars episodes. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know why. For me, I don't know why I, do, I always gravitate towards that. But even now, I'm thinking I fancy watching a bit of that later on tonight. But uh, whether I will or not, but I, I will end up watching it again before the month is out. So. Um, oh yes. So in a nutshell, we did this for the prequel trilogy. So we'll do it for the OT as well. Yep. A New Hope, Empire, Jedi. Which of the three was the better film out of the trilogy? Not the saga, just out of the trilogy. Which of the three for you worked the most? See, this is hard. Um, I always tell people that it depends on my mood. A lot of some people like really don't get this. Like on forums, they freak out of that answer. But, you know, I think it's quite reasonable. Sometimes, if I'm in more of a serious mood then, of course, it's The Empire Strikes Back yeah. um, that comes out on top. However, if it's, I'm in more of a, let's let's say, a more summary, happy mood, it's got to be Return of the Jedi. Um, I find that these are probably the most watchable and some of my favourites. And then just closely behind is A New Hope, purely because I love the beginning of it, but it's a bit slow in places. Mm-hmm. I still adore all three of them. Um, and it's so hard to choose. And sometimes, I, you know, I will watch A New Hope over them, uh, over the other two. And sometimes I'll watch them chronologically, whatever. Um, I but like no, how you're generally... dangling that galactic carrot ahead of next the next episode <laughs> rate ratings by, by kind of not being too um, conclusive. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I do. Because I think, again, uh, other people online maybe. Some people like totally think I hit the nail on the head with my list. Other people mm-hmm. think I'm an absolute moron. <laughs> Each to their own. Each to their own. But there you go. Exactly. I think mine may raise a few eyebrows as well, but at, at least we've got someone like Anakin Skywalker. But that's part <laughs> of the fun. When nobody's going to have the same nine, um, we, some, we might be called Disney shills for liking the new trilogy. If that's what you think, sod off. Um, but I, yeah. uh, today it's Empire for me out of these three. But that may change tomorrow. But as for today, Empire Strikes Back works the best out of this trilogy for me. Yeah, fair enough. Fair but, enough. Um, but uh, it's, it's it's a tough one. Yeah, it is. It is. And don't get me wrong. On some days, I agree with you. Yeah, it's again. It's those two rotate between each other depending on my mood, the time of year, and so on and so forth. So, yeah. Well, that is all we have for the second instalment of the What I Watch Tonight show Star Wars special. It's been great fun, but there's still one more episode left to go. And on the next time, next time we're going to be delving into The Force Awakens, Rogue One, The Last Jedi. There's going to be some solo talk, and we are going to give our rankings for all nine films. So I think it's pretty fair to say that it's going to be a packed episode oh yes so if you like what you hear and i know you do make sure you tune in for next week because i'm already looking forward to it uh and we haven't even done it yet 
<laughs> Me too. I can't wait. It's going to be good fun. I know. Well, thank you so much for coming on again today, Luke. So where can the world find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me on Instagram. Uh, I love my photography. So give me a follow on Instagram. It's at leaf.it.out.luke. So leaf it out, Luke, and you've got a full stop or a period in between each word. Um, yeah, follow me in there. I'd love to talk some Star Wars with you. If you like photography, come and uh, take a look at my pictures. He's the best damn photographer this side of Coruscant, so do go check them out. <laughs> Don't know about that. And I've, I've said it in the last show, I have said it to him whilst um, slurping a hazelnut latte. The picture <laughs> photographs are very, very good. So once again, thank you for coming on today, uh, Luke. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can catch all the episodes on the site, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Subscribe on iTunes by searching for the What I Watch Tonight show. You can also check us out on Spotify now. We are on there. They didn't tell me, but I found out. We also put the shows up slowly on YouTube if you fancy a bit of that. So if you like what you hear, share it with everybody you know. And if you don't, then just move along. This certainly is the podcast you're looking for. So remember to tell your grandmothers. But until next time, may the force be with you and see you. (laughs) 